Hey guys, it's me, it's Mickey, one of the hosts of the Return Slot of Horror. Um, I'm here in the basement by myself. I gotta tell you, I gotta be honest, this week we had a haunted episode. Um, gosh, everything you can imagine happened. We lost some audio, my mic exploded, um, there are all kinds of issues. So uh, this week's Halloween tree is going to be a little bit different. We went ahead and cobbled together an episode. We said we'd deliver an episode, and we are. So um, with that being said, we don't have an intro, and we don't have a drink section, but we have the rest of the episode that you guys can enjoy. You know, I don't... All right, you know what? I'm going to do an intro, and I'm going to do a drink section, okay? I'm just going to do it in character as Michelangelo Marika. So in three, two, one. Hey... Yo, it's me. It's it's Michelangelo. Uh, yeah, so we we did the Halloween tree, and uh, you know the thing about the Halloween tree it means a lot to me. You know, I was when I was a kid, and and you know this guy named Mouse Shroud. You know, he's like uh, taking these four kids uh, to the Halloween ghosts of past, and uh, you know it's like it means a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so uh, what 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 are we drinking? Uh, hey, bienvenue. It's me, Marika, your favorite Canadian. <laughs> uh, so for tonight's signature cocktail, I have a little bit of Halloween candy, eh? And a little bit of vodka, eh? And we put that in one drink and we chug that down right here. And we hope that you, uh, you know, enjoy the show and my signature cocktail called the Halloweeny. Uh, okay, merci beaucoup. Hey guys, it's me, Mickey again. Um, I'm just drinking a beer. A good old Elvis juice from Brewdog. Uh, they don't sponsor us, but hey, I'm open to it. Uh, Michelangelo, is there anything else? Are we are we ready to get into the get into the movie? Yeah, no, no. Just it's like you know these. Uh, you know, I just you know, I just want to say you know, I, I I love you guys. You know, this movie is about friendship. It's about these you know you know these young dudes dressed up in their costumes. Uh, you know, trying to save the the buddy's spirit. And uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just uh, let's just do this thing. Boy, that was spot on. I was really good. I I don't even need them to do this show, do I? That was spot on. Okay, no, no, I do need them, or else I'll just ramble. So no, seriously, guys, uh, sorry for the difficulties and and you know these things happen. We I want to appreciate everybody for sticking around, listen to the show, and uh, join us on Instagram. Uh, and here is the Halloween tree. Welcome to the return slot of oh. horror. A podcast set in the basement of a video store much like the one from your youth. A place where Mickey, Marika, and Michelangelo hang out after hours, talk about horror films, and can't seem to agree on much, other than their love for the genre. So grab a drink, be careful on the stairs, and don't be the last one left in the basement at the end of the night. <laughs> It's a party now. Oh, that really frustrated me. That really frustrated me just then. Guys, we have a... Sorry sorry about the episode. It's a haunted episode. We're having lots of technical difficulties. There's a ghost in the machine. Lots of ghosts. I don't know, man. Haunted. Because it's the pumpkin tree. (laughs) (laughs) We're ghosts. Did you guys ever um, dress up like any of these characters for Halloween? Never. Never? Is that what you said? Never. Yeah, I was. My my uh, my costume was uh, two. Like I, I was a poor kid, so I there were two costumes, but I I didn't realize that I was a poor kid when I was a kid. All right. Um, there were two things I always dressed as. One was I would dress in my pajamas. I had Superman pajamas. And I was obsessed with Uberman is how it was what I called him. So I would just be Uberman every year until I grew out of those pajamas. <laughs> oh, my God. That's super cute. I want to see pictures of that. Oh, my God. I want to see you as Uberman. <laughs> there is there. There are photos of uh, both me and Allie as kids dressed. We, we had the same pajamas. That is hilarious. Um, and she was always she always made a, a clear distinction, you know, because she's like, a, you know, she was a cute blonde girl. So like people would be like, oh, you're Supergirl. And she's like, no, I'm Superman. I'm Uberman. I'm, well, she was she wasn't Uberman. She she knew how to say her asses. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her.
poor kids don't know how to say their asses. Um, <laughs> Yikes. I could say that. I was poor, and I still am. Uh, <laughs> and I still am. Um, no, uh, so it was either Uberman or I would dress up like a butcher, like because my dad was a butcher, and I, I you know, I was, uh, yeah, I think uh, we grew up in an era where you like really respected what your parents did. Yeah. Um. Uh. So like, I thought you know, we I would put like five o'clock shadow or pencil in a mustache and be my, and put on like a bloody butcher coat and be my dad, and it was just like his butcher coat, one of his butcher coats from work. That's super badass. Yeah. But a bloody butcher coat is legit scary Halloween costume. I didn't realize it was scary. I was just like, this is, I'm just working. I mean, there's no other kid walking around like covered in literal actual, actual blood. blood. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't think it was actual. I would have to ask. I got to ask my parents. We'll talk about this on a special Halloween episode when we talk more about costumes. Um, but. But did did uh, did you guys ever dress up as one of these characters? So wait, what did we have? We had a mummy. Yep, I've done I've done mummy. Oh, you've done mummy. Did you do oh, like yeah. the toilet oh, yeah. paper mummy? I no, I actually did like um, what are they called? Um, ace bandages. Well, yeah, ace bandages essentially. Yeah. Whoa, Daddy Warbucks over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ace bandages. We found the goodwill, but then uh, we'd also like to. Uh, I'd usually put like a dead man's mask on. You know, what is that? He would it's cut the face mask. off of a dead man. And wear I would cut the face off of a dead man. Put it on. Yeah, I just killed a man, ripped his face off. Got my nipple belt on and everything. Mike's dad was a butcher. My dad worked at a morgue. Perfect. <laughs> that is not true, everyone. Just for the record, those are lies. And Mickey's dad's name was the butcher. Uh, <laughs> his nickname. His nickname. He was. He was a terrible mortician. <laughs> What I mean by dead man's face, I would I would make my face look dead with using like oh got it by working a job for years that you didn't like and then didn't like love. yeah can't retire for another thirty years when you're sixty a loveless a loveless marriage yeah. uh, kids who don't respect you yeah 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 okay. erectile dysfunction crazy yep. that you were able to do this as a yep. kid <laughs> that's why he went into theater he was a really strong actor erectile dysfunction was a hard thing to do at that age but I, I made it work. <laughs> Okay, so okay, I never did mummy. What was the other one? We had which monster? I mean, obviously, I was you know gender divides of the late eighties. I was I have I was a witch a few years. I was also like at a young age. I was at the mercy of what my sister had decided to be in previous years because my mom would make costumes, and so. I would just get the hand-me-downs. Like, so it was some pretty standard stuff. Like, there was a a rabbit costume, but the witch costume was a hand-me-down, and that one I, I wore a couple years in a row. I feel like that was a go-to, which I was good with, because then I could just focus on making my face as horrendously awful as possible, which I had a great time doing. There was there was the monster. I did I did like a hunchback. Uh, Quasimodo. I was well, just a my own character. I uh, generic to not have to pay Disney. Well, I at the time I was I was I had a rich friend and we opened up uh, in his basement an arcade where we would dress up like characters and then I carried that character over to Halloween and I was this like hunchback guy. And I was in character all night at in middle school at the middle school like Halloween party dance thing, <clears throat> and that was a big hit with the girls. I was gonna say you must have been like the super most po- the one everyone wanted to dance with. Are we talking like are you are we talking like Igor like or Igor from uh, like Young Frankenstein? Yeah, some, some kind of a mix of him, a mix of him, and just like my own like sort of create. It, it, it was definitely a character you would find in a Mel Brooks type of film. <laughs> yes, or at least the, the, how I thought. I would see right. this character in a Mel Brooks film. And I remember I also uh, brought this character back out uh, um, around middle school, like early high school years and uh, around my like final years of Halloween. And because uh, I was like, oh, I want I'm, I'm not going trick or treating. I want to all this candy to myself. So I created like I brought this character back and I covered myself in like tapioca pudding 
Ew. And I was like hanging from the, I was like, I was like a crazy person outside scaring. Like the kids did not want to come to the house. I like that. Because of like how crazy I was being. And I got all the candy to myself. And the can you know, I was eating the candy. So the candy was just fueling my insanity. I like that. I mean, I feel like that's a good moment in one's life. Tapioca pudding on your face? Oh, I, no, no, not on my face. Like all over me. Just like I, I, I took like a whole snack pack that I like I bought with my own money from working and I just covered my face and my hair and my costume just like all just in like coming out of my mouth guys this is the magic of Halloween the girls the girls dug it man they went crazy they saw that tapioca pudding dripping out of your mouth and they're like (laughs) yum it's a tasty treat you know who wouldn't want to lick that off of my uh uh you know 13 14 year old face my hump your monster hump. okay Ooh, okay um okay <laughs> uh so back to the movie uh wait we didn't get through all of them there was the other one was the skeleton right um Tom skeleton yes now oh, well i no, i actually have a question about this uh well tom skeleton i never dressed as a skeleton i never went as a skeleton and refused to go with skeletons why why karate kids it's the bad guys bad guys uh, yeah skeletons. okay yeah yeah <laughs> what? No. Jesus. For me, yeah, I don't want to dress like, you know, was it Tommy? Um, um. Oh gosh, what's the guy's name? It was the bad guy. Was hold on, hold on. Oh shit, that's gonna bug me now. Let's spend more time during the Halloween <laughs> Three episode talking about Karate Kid. Johnny Lawrence. There you go. No, no, no. It's Joey. It's Joey Lawrence. He was on no, Blossom. That's someone else. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. Hey, okay, guys. Off. Whoa! Those are the two worst Joey Lawrence impersonations <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. No, it's spot on. Spot on. <laughs> it was spot on. Whoa! Okay. Whoa! No! <laughs> you know, Mickey, we're we're culturally appropriating Joey Lawrence, and that brings <laughs> me back. That brings that brings me back to this film. I think this film kind of touches on like cultural appropriation a little bit in that these kids are dressed up in these costumes and they have no idea about the traditions connected to them or why they dress up in these costumes. And I thought that was like a cool angle in the story. What did you guys think about that? Yeah. I'm sorry. I think I lost you guys. (laughs) Did was it was it just you didn't have anything to say? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I, yeah, it's good. I mean, I saw it more as like a history lesson, right? Like an opportunity for like for sure for learning different cultures and heritages and like traditions rather than. And I mean, this was way before like my culture is not a costume, so I I think you have to consider the era while considering the content. Yeah. I'm just I'm just talking about looking at it through a modern lens. I know I know I agree with Rick in saying that I didn't really feel like they were doing a great job of like touching on cultural appropriation as much as they were like, here's the history of this costume, you know, which is cool, which is not bad at all. It's cool. They like like the like the monsters are they from we like it's from French gargoyles. Yes, that's that's what I'm that French architecture I mean, and gargoyles. I enjoyed. I guess it depends which kind of monster. Well, uh, unemployed unemployed monsters. I don't know if you remember that. Like he's he's no. like <laughs> when the kids have built the church, right? Um, he's like, you know, it's missing the monsters and the, you know, it's not it's Moon Moon uh Mount Shroud who says, um, you know, it's gargoyles. They're called gargoyles, you fucking idiots. Um, and that's when he like he uh he, he calls upon like all of the like, you know the demons and the monsters from the woods and stuff to like come and be a part of this thing. And it's like, he's like one of the lines were like the unemployed monsters and the de- lost demons. And the, I just, I, th- that put an image in my head of like an unemployed, like demon or monster. <laughs> like, I don't got anything going on. I think I'm going to go to this church thing and just like hang out on a cliff or cliff, a <laughs> cliff. Yeah. That's what they, that's what you call Yep. A ledge on a yep. building. It's a cliff. <laughs> they're unemployed and they're on they're on the, the ledge of a building. You put two and two together. Boom. There's some real deep stuff going on in this movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, but you joke, but like again, um, I mean, did that not happen? Like, did I was a kid, obviously, when when I for the ending of this film, um, and it had a profound effect on me to the point to where like it. This is like to me, this is like a classic Halloween film, and it's something I literally cannot get people to watch. Like you're uh, other than like. I've tried to get people to watch this and you're the first two in a long time that I've been like, you had to watch it because I picked it. Um, <laughs> that was the ticket. <laughs> I feel like people got like people like, I don't know if it's like people just think it's a shitty movie or like they just don't care. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get more into like when we go to recommendations about this, but like, this is kind of like a, for me, it's a classic. And but anyways, my point was, did you guys, did it hit you when the kids like give up uh, a year of their life in order to save their friend? I, I go back to what I said at the beginning. This is a really sweet film. It's charming. It's, it's sweet. It's so sweet. I'm, I'm so glad they did that. I'm glad that was like, you know, it was sweet. How did you guys digest and interpret, interpret who uh, Mound Shroud is, what the Halloween tree represents? And like sort of the moral of the story, like what did each of you get out of it? That if if faced with death, then you both will have to give away a light a year of your life. And then I'll be cool. I don't know if I give I don't know if I give a year of my life up to you. I would I would I would give I would give a year for you. Thanks. I, I would give it. two. I'd be like, can we do two for Mickey? And then like, don't tell Marika. <laughs> So Mount Shroud, what, what I took Mount Shroud as is I, I thought that he was probably I didn't want to call him death because he wasn't death, but he was. I mean, right. I know. I don't want to call because no, death, let, let Mickey go ahead and we'll get we'll, death we'll go doesn't to Marie, celebrate we'll on a holiday, I wouldn't think. Or maybe death comes out on Halloween. I don't know what it seemed like to me was he is a collector of souls and correct. I mean, please, I'm just literally did no research but he collects yeah well, yeah what your interpretation yeah. is he collects souls on on that have like passed on i'm guessing in halloween and he collects them on these jack-o-lanterns and then inside the jack-o-lanterns only on halloween the jack-o-lanterns return and these i'm guessing souls are allowed to to go about and he's the oldest of the souls which is why he comes out on halloween and has his own old old pumpkin at the very top of the tree so that was kind of like it was kind of like um whether it's an old thing or a brand new thing that Ray Brad Ray brought to it. That was what I took as like what he is. He's the spirit of Halloween. Um, okay. You know, like he comes out once a year and kind of like the Adidas Marcus, where he allows, you know, the people who have passed on that particular, who, who I guess souls are captured in those Jack lanterns are allowed to come out, which is why Pipkin is running around like him crazy. Uh, instead of saying there and maybe I don't, I, I don't, I don't, that wasn't fully explained. But yeah, so that's why I, that's how I took it. Marika? I mean, I I think I lean more toward the, like, the whole death thing. Because if, if not, if not someone who collects souls, what is the embodiment of death? Right? And so, like, the whole thing with Halloween is that you have to light jack-o'-lanterns so that, no, you have to put costumes on to confuse the spirits that want to take your soul. So it makes sense that like he would be that force that comes and collects souls on Halloween. This brings me to a question I had about you, since you mentioned costume question I had about uh, the Pip. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause you know, they're all in costume. And when Pip is like flying around this like pumpkin that's that he's floating around on, or he's flying around on, he's in overalls, or, like, coat, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Well, he's not dressed up because he, he like that's the whole point. But but I was wondering because I, I I see this is again like I said as an adult watching it I'm like over analyzing things that I shouldn't overanalyze in children children's movie. But when I first saw him I was like oh they're farm kids growing up on a farm. But I was like but Pip's house didn't look that like much like a farmhouse to me that he'd be just running around in his coveralls or overalls. And so I thought oh so, you know he was going to go as something related to the the Halloween night. And then that's when I thought, you know what? He was going to go as a scarecrow. Mm. And anyway, that's, that's all I got. I got a thing. And then maybe think maybe there was something to do with, with scarecrows also being like protectors of Props, I don't know, pumpkins. Pumpkins. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, I think you, I think we're underestimating the popularity of the overall as a ch children's clothing yeah. in the early 90s. Especially in the 90s. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Right? I wore, I wore my fair share of overalls. Me too. Me too. So, just saying. It wasn't a farm kid thing. It wasn't a poor kid thing. I mean, I, I avoided overalls like the plague. You avoided the overalls? Oh, never would I, would I ever wear overalls. Oh, but you were like in Arkansas, in Texas. That that would be the whole. My grandparents right. are farm people, and they grow. They wore overalls everywhere, and I was like, "I'm not putting those on." Fair enough. I get that. I want to look like a city right. kid. That's why I refused to wear plaid when I moved to the country. I was like, "I'm never wearing plaid ever," and I have resisted all these years later. I don't do plaid. So my so Michelangelo. What was uh, Mount Shroud to you, or do you actually have the answer? Well, I don't think th that's what's cool about Mount Shroud is there isn't like a clear, distinct answer as to who he specifically is, right? I think um, he's a combination of things. I don't think he's straight up death because death doesn't make deals with people, right? Like you look at all the stories of who death is. Death, like when you when when it's your time, you got to go. He might make a bet with you. But he doesn't make a deal with you. Who, who is known to make deals with people? The devil. Ooh. Oh, you think Mount Shroud's the That's devil? That's dark, man. I think he's a combination of things. But uh, hear me out here. Now, are you familiar with Stingy Jack? No. Oh yeah. Okay, so Marika, Stingy into the listener. Stingy Jack is where the legend, like it's the legend connected to the jack-o'-lantern, how we got the jack-o'-lantern. Stingy Jack was this Irish guy who was a drunk and he was a rake and he was an asshole. And uh, one night the devil, devil came to take him. You know, the legend is a little different depending on like what you look up and who you talk to. But mm -hmm. the devil came to take him and he was like, have one more drink. Can I have one more drink and can we have a drink together? So like, you know, I could like have one last relish my last moments yeah and the devil's like okay that sounds good and jack being jack jack being true to his name he was like ah, i don't want to pay for this do you mind paying for it and he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin so that he they could pay for the drinks but what he did was is he took the coin and he put it in his pocket he didn't pay for the drinks and in his pocket was like a cross or some sort of um silver holy medallion and like the devil was stuck as this coin and then he made a deal with the devil he's like don't bother me for a year and uh i'll like i'll let you go so that's what happens and then a year goes by and the devil comes back and he's like ah okay okay like you know the jig is up you got me i'm, I'm gonna go with you but like i'm super fucking hungry do you mind getting an apple out of the tree for me? And it somehow, you know, Stinky Jack talks to the devil. I mean, the devil says, started to sound like a dumbass, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. So he convinces the devil to go climb up this fucking tree and get an apple for him. And Stinky Jack had this plan and he like, you know, he carved a cross into the tree or some legends have, he had silver crosses that he put around the tree and the devil was stuck up in this tree. And the devil's like, God damn it, you got me again. And Stingy Jack's like, listen, here's the deal. You don't bother me for 10 more years. And then I'm good. So they make the deal. So anyways, in that 10 years, Stingy Jack's drinking and doing all the things that he does. And he dies. And he goes up to heaven. He gets to the pearly gates. And they're like, no fucking way you're getting in here. You were a piece of shit going down there. So he goes down, down below and the devil's like, I don't want you. You tricked me a bunch of times. You're an asshole. You're going to have to wander the earth. I love that that's how that works. <laughs> You're going to have to wander around and, like, you don't get a resting place. So, like, they, he gives him, like, a, a gourd. And he puts a piece of a lump of coal inside the gourd to light his way. And that's where we get the, like, legend. Like, that's the origin of, like, the jack-o'-lantern as we know it now. Right? So, Mound Shrouds making deals right pip is known to be a trickster and then um mm. you know when we break down mount like okay so we got uh carap carapace is that how you say it i don't know how you say it in english but i'm assuming yes no carapace <laughs> <laughs> carapace it's the best pasta you ever had um 
carapace is what I found out was it's something regarded uh, as a protective or defensive covering, like a turtle shell or something like that. What di- what did you uh, find? Well, I mean, I mean, in French, it's literally like a turtle shell or any any kind of shell on any kind of like animal. I don't know how many animals have shells, but <laughs> that's what that's what it is. Um, and then you uh, uh, also have uh, uh, clavicle, clavicle, which is the collarbone. And then mound shroud is is the interesting one because that could mean like the mound over a grave or something like that. That it's, it's I, I I really couldn't find. So I'm like, did you find anything on mound shroud? No, I found like a I th- I think there's a band called Mount Shroud or some and then I found one uh user profile of someone who plays Dead by Daylight called Mount Shroud, which is mm-hmm. clearly a throwback to this movie. Um so shout out to Mount Shroud on Dead by Daylight. Hope to cross paths with you, my friends. Um but I don't I mean I don't think it's it doesn't seem to be an actual cuz I looked it up too. It was like these other words are things. Is this a word? But I didn't find anything relevant. A mound shroud is a burial sheet. A mound shroud? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, oh, like a mound shroud. Okay. So we got. But is that an actual a pro- word? A protective shell or covering, a collarbone, and like, uh, you know, uh, yeah. See, so I wonder. I wonder if the clavicle, because like the carapace, carapace, whatever is a shell and then the mound shroud is the thing that covers so i wonder why clavicle damn it ray bradbury tell us your secrets i want to i want to take a, a a quick shout out to werewolf cora uh has an article on um uh what is this deviantart.com she this is sort of like one of her theories uh about who mound shroud is because and, you know, I was thinking about, like, who who exactly is Mount Shroud? He's kind of death. He's kind of the devil. He's kind of he's he's kind of this own creation. And I was like, what exactly is the representation of, like, the tree? So, like, Pip's soul is in there. But is everyone's soul in there? Is it just if you die on Halloween? Is it just if he takes an interest in you? Even in the book, there's really no, like, clear-cut answers to these questions. Um, so it's 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 sort of, I guess, like how you interpret it and like the information that's there, you know, because in, in the book, Tom asked him, like, who are you? And he's like, I think, you know, who I am. Oh, cool. OK, good. Sorted. Well, it's not no, really sorted not. because he's like, you know, eventually. Yeah. When you when you die, like you'll go up in the stars and like, you know. Who is Mount Shroud? Listener? Who knows? Again, who this is, is one of the, and what is what, the tree? See these there are so many of these questions which is why I was saying like I feel like if I was a kid I was I would I would be like ooh Egypt ooh Mexico ooh gargoyles and then not be like but existentially if mount trout is dead <laughs> or living does our existence travel between <laughs> you don't you know kids just don't and I mean that being said perhaps the book has a a, a more hints as to because to be fair Ray Bradbury is a pretty careful writer of things. Um, but then I also feel like they had He's to... very poetic. Yeah, but I also feel like you have to interpret the base story for a kid's audience. And it was like a made-for-TV thing. So I think that just the fact that they went into, like, would you be willing to give up a, a year of your life is... Well, no, no. Already right there is pretty deep. And the fact that we're going into, like, different cultural histories at a time where, like, at an age where kids aren't... Like, you're learning a little bit of stuff. But, like, I don't remember studying Mexican heritage in grade school. So I feel like it was already very ambitious. So then to, you know have to explain clearly who what mount trout is would be a whole other opening a whole other can of worms i don't know about michelangelo but uh did you guys do like a whole section on dia de los mortis when you were no uh in grade school i I remember knowing that that was a thing but i don't know if i knew that because of television or because of school you know the thing is it's it's funny because like i feel like we spent a huge section 
but I went to elementary school in Texas. I mean, we're on the Mexican border. There are a lot of Mexican yeah. uh, immigrants. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time on that. And then it was like the mummies and, you know, you know, sarcophaguses was like definitely something that you spend time on in history class. Yes. Uh, the yes. one that we didn't spend time on was like French architecture and gargoyles. God, of course you didn't. But I'm sure Marika's experience is <laughs> mainly French architecture and gargoyles. We probably did cover that more than you guys. But again, so but so there's something for every kid, right? You get like the French Canadian kid who doesn't know about Mexican heritage or culture or like British Stonehenge or whatever. There's something for everyone in this movie, except maybe adults. <laughs> <laughs> you know, valid point. Like, I, I got to say, like, watching it now, like, it does, like, this is, I think this would be a perfect film. And I've, I've heard they're trying to adapt it again. I don't know if it's live action or animation, but I think this is, like, prime for a remake because there's some really good ideas there. But this, you know... It drags a little bit. This is like a real. This is a. This is one of my go-to movies to fall asleep to because it's so <laughs> like. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that to us. The music is so good. It's so atmospheric. No, no, the music was good. The music was great. Did you guys get like a a Passion of the Christ kind of feeling when you're listening to music? It's the same composer. Is it? I have no doubt it yeah. is. Yeah, I'm like ninety nine percent certain. It's the same composer. Yeah, the opening track. I was, I was like, I know this music from somewhere else. Composer is just like no one's ever seen this. <laughs> I could just reuse this. I'm gonna reuse this shit. You know, I got, I got the the my movie about Satan and my movie about God. Yeah. they're gonna have the same. Boom, boom. kind of sound. It all comes around. Yeah, confirmed. So the composer was John Debney, and he did Passion of the Christ. Debney, among other things, he has like 217 music credits. So. I guess eventually you run out of options. I cannot get through an episode without mentioning Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. in some way. He's not allowed in the house, <laughs> in my house, which sucks because it's like he is a piece of shit. But God, some of his movies are really good and I can't watch them because Ali. I mean, that's just the price you have to pay for love. I get it. It's fair. I get it. My beautiful Jewish girlfriend does not want <laughs> a fucking anti-Semitic, racist, sexist pig in her house. That's a fair trade. She's an awful person for imposing that on you. <laughs> what do I watch Lethal Weapon for? Lethal Weapon has to get a pass. No. I mean, what women want, however, was super progressive and still holds up. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Anyway, back to uh, the Halloween tree. Before, before we get into like all the the shelving and all that stuff. I do want to um, mention this is a re reoccurring theme. I love kids uh, doing the right thing against. Uh, in this case, he's not really evil. I wouldn't call Melanchrod evil, but I, I, I just that theme always works for me at, 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 a, at a high level. So this movie delivered on that. But I just think that that's one of my favorite tropes in a in a, in a horror film or a Halloween film or anything of like the goth, you know. I just love it when kids, you know, stand up at the end and do the right thing. Mickey, did you, I can't believe I, it took me this long to ask, but did like, did your, any of your kids watch this? Did you watch it? With no. Like, did anybody watch this with anybody else? No. 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 Damn, I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, your dream of making someone else watch it just ended with me and Mickey. Because, yeah. yeah. no. Also, like, Mickey's kids are way too old for this. This is a hard sell to my kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my kids are like I watching. Mean, what time is eighteen? How about Campbell? <laughs> he's he's what thirteen? He, he's twelve. Yeah, he's at the same age I but watched. But Campbell's also like he's watching like Insidious now. Yeah, that's a good point. He's also watching like Japanese anime. I show him some Hanna Barbera, dude. He's gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, but <-ba> do. <laughs> what is this? It might be his favorite Halloween movie of all time. You don't know. I don't know. You're right. I should I should make sure that he watches it. I'll put it on before bedtime or night. Oh, my God. All right to sleep. Um, <laughs> Please do. I would like to see how many minutes in. He goes, um, Dad, I think I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> no offense to this movie. No offense to this movie. Yeah. Did you, what did you take away from this? Did you like what was the what would you say the message of this movie is? <laughs> Jesus, okay. Don't all go at once. 
like what you know what is real friendship you know it's like like true friendship is is would you really be willing to give up you know a year of your life i think that for a kid that's that's a lot that's a year that's your whole sixth grade year that's like that that's like the entire year you're 10 for for a kid at their age that's a lot of life you know that you've known that's like 10 percent of your life or more you know it's a it's also kind of a decision i think like when you're that young you can make rash decisions like that and be like yes you know, what uh, I mean? you know but, but i mean a kid at that age a year feels like oh i mean like, i just with my own kids even now it's like you're like yeah in a year and they're like oh a year whereas like me i'm like like when i was watching i was like give away a year are you kidding me i gave away a year to smoke and i gave away 14 years to smoke and i could give away <laughs> one to my best friend okay this just occurred to me and it didn't click when i was watching the movie or at the end of the movie. But like, you know, the kids are like, oh yeah, I'll give up a life. And we're like, oh, that's so honorable, blah, blah, blah. But then they just spent a whole evening traveling to different cultures and learning about like different celebrations of the dead and all this other crap. And like the afterlife. And so it's like, oh, you go to Egypt, you mummify, and then there's the afterlife. And then Ra will take you to whatever. It's not Ra, but whatever. Um... And then, like, stone, you know, and then, like, though, the Day of the Dead, where, like, the dead come back and all this other stuff. So they learn about all these, like, basically religions who are telling you that there is an afterlife. And then they're like, hey, you're, you know, your friend's going to die. And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Take a life, take a year off my life. There's an afterlife anyway, which is a really weird and cynical way of interpreting this movie. But was, is this like a whole religious indoctrination thing? Oh, I don't think so. I don't see Ray Bradbury doing that. Yeah. No, no, not religious indoctrination. But like, it is interesting that it's all about like all these cultures who believe in an afterlife, and then the kids give up a year of their life. Like, obviously, that has if if they were like, hey, kids, scientists believe that once you die, you become worm food. I don't think the kids would be as like willing to give up a year of their life. Well, this this whole movie is about. I think it's about you know it's like hey. Uh, the Feast of Samhain, the Time of the Dead Ones, All Souls, All Saints, the Day of the Dead, All Hallows' Eve. The, the, you have all these different names, but at the end of it, it's all about like summer to winter, day to night, life to death, learning how to come to grips with death and facing it. And if we, and you know, as Tom says, if we face death eyeball to eyeball, it loses power over us. It can't scare us anymore. It's about facing death and friendship and like, I don't think I think that's why that's that's it's it's not about the reward of an afterlife. It's about like, oh, it doesn't matter where you go in the world or what time you go in the world. We're all connected through this same thing. And that's we only have a certain amount of time on this planet and that. um, Like in and, and we can face that and that's OK. We can understand our morale, our, our mortality. And like embrace that. Um, that's that's what I get from it. I don't I, like that. That that was an interesting thing you you pulled, Blake, because that, that never like occurred to me. I'm not saying you're obviously. I'm not saying you're wrong or anything. But no, I cannot. Can I share an observation? Mm-hmm. So, so no, <laughs> no. Okay. Who do you recommend this movie to? No, um, go on, go on. Say, go on. So, like a movie. That I saw one of the first like movies I remember it dealing with the death of someone my age, like a kid, was Bridge to Terabithia. And that book and movie really like actually I think it was the book, not the movie. I think we read the book because the movie came out later, much later. So but we read the book in class and I remember just being like kids crying in class, like looking at each other like, wow, that's this hits home. So I can see if, if I had seen this as a kid, it was one of my early introductions to the idea even of a kid my age dying. Then I could see how it'd be much more impactful and carry mm-hmm. a lot more weight than it did watching it as a 30 something year old. Yeah, I get that. You know what I mean? So so it's like I I I make that observation now because I'm listening to what, what Michelangelo had to say and I'm and I totally get what you're saying. It's like, you know, and well, I mean it says it in the movie, you know, you you stare down death or whatever, but but it's it's it could be I can see how this movie would have hit a kid. And you're right. My kids should have watched this. It could, would have been a great introduction to that theme. 
you know, something they're going to have to face later in life, you know? Like, all wrapped up in a happy Halloween, like, package. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, the movie does not threaten. It's, it's not a threatening movie in any way, like, where it would make a kid feel like... I mean, it's a very, it's very digestible. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so, Ooh. on that note, um, who do we recommend this movie to? Who do you, who, coming into the store, who do you recommend this movie to? Mickey. All right, so I got this. I'm seeing these. I see a certain type of person walking in. They're wearing Star Trek clothes. They're um, they're Trekkies. They're Trekkies. They're Trekkies. They're 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 renting you know Star Trek one through seven. They got William Shatner's like you know uh, his his little like <laughs> live concert he did, and that's what they got in their hands. I'm like, you know what? You need you need kiddo. You need pumpkin tree. Put this movie pumpkin no! tree. Put it on top of the. Put it on top of your thing. Because you're going to see a Leonard Nimoy, or sorry, hear a Leonard Nimoy you never heard before. Uh, no, um, kids, very much kids. It's this is a kids film. This is a this is a film for like. My, What's your age group for that, Nikki? I'm going to say uh, sub ten. I'm going to say sub ten year olds. Um, I, I want to say that you know it'd be a great one for a family to watch with a sub ten or a sub ten group. What's well? What's what's too young? Well, like, give us a. Is two too young? Two's not gonna not gonna cat. It's not gonna make a dent in because they don't really know what they're seeing. I I think that no, I I disagree with you there. I, two. I just spent a weekend. I just spent a weekend with the babysitting a two year old, Hallie's nephew, and like showing him this movie. I don't think I think he would be terrified. My, my, the the sweet spot for me is like eight nine. But I'm gonna say five to ten. I'm saying a five year old could could get through it. But I also think this would be a great one, like I said, parents to watch with the kid so they can have any of those conversations. The, kid, like, yeah. the, the young kids might have a question of like, was he really going to die? And then, the, you know, it's like this is a good conversation starter for parents. And it's not one that you as parents need to be like scared about having a conversation. about. It's not going to present ideas you're, they're not ready for. It's just going to present an idea that they'll have to deal with. And it's best to like have these conversations around a movie that's so that's so kind. So Halloween. Um, uh, season kids five to ten and tricky fans <laughs> got it Marika? i mean this really happens but i would completely agree that sounds about right and i feel like from like five see she gets the tricky fan I, thing oh no not that part that's stupid um <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding uh, <laughs> uh, no, but, but i also feel like the beauty of it is that kids that are five and kids that are 10 are gonna like grasp different things and so i think that it is a, the kind of thing that you can watch year over year with your kids when they're that age but i also feel like if you miss that boat like if you bring it to them too late they're gonna be like no especially because kids are used to and like no diss to hannah barbera or anything but like kids are used to sophisticated you know well-developed characters and all this other stuff and i feel like it felt a little dated and i think that if you pull it out around halloween just like you know we'll watch you know, the claymation rudolph the red-nosed reindeer even though that's like sure. 70 years old because it holds up you know i think you can pull it out on halloween time and it'll work how dare you mention anything christmas on a fucking halloween episode well, how about how about the the um Charlie Charlie Brown one? What's the the Great, Great Pumpkin? pumpkin. The, um... That's actually one of the reasons why this was created. Uh, Ray Bradbury wrote this as a screenplay originally in response to the Great Pumpkin because he didn't like it, Ooh, and then God. he turned it into a novel uh, when the when that sort of deal fell apart, and then the novel was successful uh, enough that it eventually became this animated television. Film. Well, there you go. Interesting. Uh, Michelangelo, who do you recommend this movie to? Well, before before I get to that, I, a, a question I forgot to ask you guys is like, were you guys like in a, uh, uh, a posse, a group like these kids were, where like you had a leader? No. Like this idea of like a leader? Okay, yeah, I knew that about you, Marika, and I, uh, I'll i answer for what myself. What do you mean too. you knew that about? What, what? How did you know that about me? Because I know you and I've had conversations with you and like you, you and I, I, uh, we have, and, and I think myself more so, 
Um, we have, I, I've been very selective in my life with friends. I was never part of like a huge group outside of like, you know, a theater production or like a theater school or things like that. Like growing up, I was always like, you know, I was friends with theater kids. Uh, eventually when I got to like middle school and high school, mostly high school. But um, as a kid in this age group, I had like one friend oh. usually like one like best friend and then like maybe a couple of other friends in classes and stuff. But I was never part of like a posse or a group. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the only reason why I made that assumption about you, Marika was like, I just remember you telling me stories about like, you know, your, your stories of summertime. I always envision a little Marika with her wagon going to the library and renting out a bunch of, you know, checking out a bunch of books and reading them and bringing them back. And like, Shut up. you know, it wasn't a wagon. I had a back. I had a backpack. Oh, okay. I always. It's so weird. I always envision uh, like a little, uh, you know, like a no like a radio, radio flyer. flyer. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I had a bike. Um, anyway, uh, so no, I did not have a posse. Mickey, did you have a posse? Man, I had like posses. I had, I had so many posses. Yeah. Uh, I was. I was. Man, from a very young age, I was into posses, and. <laughs> um, I would even say in New York, I had a couple of posses. You guys are one of my posses. Um, so, yeah, I, I was like these kids. And where do you think you fall in line in the posse? Uh, well, it's been different stages of my life would be different, you know, where I belong differently in, in the posse that I was in. <laughs> Were you ever a leader? We, you know, Tom talks about like Pip and Tom talk about like, you're the leader. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think, I think that uh, probably like in my, elder years of high school, I was more of a leader of posses. When I was younger, I was definitely much more a follower. And it was usually like the more brash, like tougher, more athletic kids. Cause I was, I wasn't bad at anything, but I wasn't great at anything, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I would fall like for me, like growing up, there's very much the same lot. I would consider my life. It's like, I, you know, I ran around. You were Benny the jet. I was, I was Benny the jet Rodriguez. Um, Actually, surprisingly, I did look a lot like him when I was a kid, but no. Um, yeah, but we know we played baseball year round in Texas in East Texas. So me and like five of the other baseball player kids were like, we just spent summers together year round baseball together. We just were we were a posse for sure. I got to say it was great. One of the great things, one of the great things about the adaptation is it's eight boys that they condensed down to four children, one of them being a girl. Yeah, representation matters. Well, I will also so say, like Marika, they... that that you're definitely in in our group. You're the witch. Hey. Whoa. I, I consider I mean, her a hunchback. So no, clearly, I'm ah, the monster. Freak. No, no, I I thought because in the movie, witches are thought that because they have wits. They're the smart ones, and I was like, in our group, you definitely. That's a good point. The witch. That's a good point. <laughs> so, who do I recommend this to? If I see a posse of kids come in, <laughs> I tell them. Of like seven year old kids? Agreed. I tell them, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing in here, you little shits? Do you have any actual money? Stay away from the Western doors. So if I see two people come in and they have, you know, the 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 best friend necklace. Beef fry. Where it's the heart. Like, and I see that, I'm like, hey, have you guys seen the Halloween tree? Also known as the pumpkin <clears throat> tree. In some circles, <laughs> i.e., Mickey. That's to be fair. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm like, uh, like, uh, one of those uh, religious people, like trying to like spread the word of their of their religion. Like, hey, hey, you guys, you guys, uh, you guys heard of the Halloween tree? You you want in on this? I'm recommending it to anybody who's a Halloween seasonal lover. I think this is a good movie to, um, like, really, a 45 uh, year old Halloween lover comes in and you're going to be like, this is the movie for your Friday night. Maybe not Friday night, but like, I think people get thirsty for something new. If they're kind of like, you know, I've been, I, I think it's a mistake to watch the same stuff every year because it loses its juice. And uh, I think I think this is a good thing to throw in the mix because it's 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 not super long. It's it's not it's not like the best movie ever, but it's not bad. It's worth watching. And like it's also hear me out here. I think this is also not, uh, other than falling asleep to this movie. <laughs> I think this movie is also like great 
like atmosphere yes, background fair. stuff. So if you're having a party and you have like the TV on mute, this is like a great one to have on because <laughs> I think you'll get a lot of people being like, what the fuck is this movie? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> when we start recommending films, we think it'd be great to fall asleep to. To be straight background. <laughs> well, this is, that brings, that brings us to what section does this movie belong in the video store? And I got to tell you, thankfully I have multiple copies of this. So it's in multiple sections. Um, do you guys think this belongs in the Halloween uh, jamboree section? Absolutely. This this is a Halloween jamboree film. Hundred percent. One hundred. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say that I'm I'm waiting for the uh, reboot, uh, Pumpkin Tree. <laughs> um, it's gonna be huge. <laughs> so, but yes, this is a Halloween jamboree for sure. Awesome. I agree with you guys. Um, Man, that's a first. I love you very much. I love you very much. Well, thanks for bringing this movie to our attention because I 100% never would have watched it otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know know we're just co-workers, but I also think we're best friends. I I would have seen this one on and I would have just like skipped right past it. I'm glad glad I was forced to watch it because it's, it's it's a precious darling film that is full of heart. So don't make you just have another kid yeah, so that in like five years you can show it to them. Or two. We'll do the experiment. We'll do the experiment when they're two. Yeah. Show them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm 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 busy. I'm starting one of those. What are those um, ballot petition things called? I'm starting a petition right now. Okay. If I can get a thousand signatures, no, a thousand signatures in 24 hours to change the title to pumpkin tree. Hold on. If I can get this petition set Just up. pumpkin tree, not the pumpkin tree? The pumpkin tree, I think, is probably a better... You're right. Better title, the pumpkin tree. Okay, oh, I'm finishing typing right now. And sent. Okay, we'll see how far that goes. Maybe we'll see a new box cover. Everybody here. sign up. All our listeners, please sign up. If, uh, if, you, if you are in agreement with Mickey, that it should be called the pumpkin Ray, tree. Ray Bradbury's estate right now is like, what a jackass. What a, <laughs> what you know, a jackass. You could, maybe you could make like a Spaceballs type uh, 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 riff like spoof of the Halloween tree called the pumpkin tree. Yeah. Done. There you go. Yeah. Done. We start, we go into production next week. Mar- Marika, would you mind taking us out this Halloween season in the Halloween jamboree section with maybe some traditional uh, uh, French Canadian type uh traditions explained in french maybe how do you say uperman in french <laughs> how do you say that U- uperman it's still it actually sounds better <laughs> that'd be that'd be really funny if that's how i say uperman une gargouille est dans le domaine de l'architecture une partie saillante d'une gouttière destinée à faire écouler les eaux de pluie à une centaine de distance des murs Ce type d'ouvrage sculpté, généralement en pierre, est souvent orné d'une figure animale ou humaine, typiquement de l'art grotesque roman, puis surtout gothique. Par minotimie, elle désigne toute figure sculptée, évacuant de l'eau et représentant le plus souvent un animal monstrueux. Elles sont ainsi présentes dans les temples grecs, les mascarons de fontaines. Il faut différencier les gargouilles des chimères qui, elles, n'ont pas de fonction de dégorgement et ornent généralement les pinacles et les contreforts. Une gargouille est par ailleurs une créature légendaire, monstre vaincu par Saint-Romain, évêque de Rouen. Happy Halloween!